Welcome to my podcast, What the Fuck Spirit. If you made it past that name, this is going to be the podcast for you. This is going to be a no holds barred, no bullshit, open and honest conversation with Maria Leggett, and that's me, about all things spiritual. It's time to begin talking in an open and honest way about what spirituality is and what it is not. We're going to discuss all things woo-woo, witchcraft, spiritual, queer spirituality, medium versus psychic, energy healing, light work, shadow work, and any other bullshit that people want you to believe because it keeps them comfortable. It is time for you to grow. Let's go. Good afternoon, everyone. (laughs) So this has been an interesting morning for me. I accidentally deleted the entire broadcast and had to bring Julian back in through a new link. So I apologize for the short delay, but it's all good. My name is Maria Leggett slash Shelly. I go by Shelly. So if you are watching this, please like this, share it out with all your friends Share it everywhere that you can so that we can bring more information and more lovely goodness to my beautiful guest who we're having today. I absolutely adore him. His name is Julian Hill, and he is absolutely amazing. And I'll talk about him in a minute. I want to talk about some stuff that I have coming up. So I have a couple of announcements to make. I'm kind of excited about this. Spirit is changing up my business and moving things around on me. Um, as of tomorrow, tomorrow will be the last day that I will be reading down in Cincinnati. Um, I'm going down there for an Osara ritual tomorrow night, and that'll be my last day in the Cincinnati area. I am moving my business completely up to the Dayton area. And in that regard, I have opened up a temporary office. I have a friend who is willing to share her space with me on 2nd Street in the Liberty Tower in Dayton. So I'm super excited to be able to do in-person readings in Dayton in a beautiful office. That is a temporary location. And if it works out, it'll be permanent, I hope. Let's keep it that way. Um, And so I want to give a huge shout out to Noir uh, Marketing and Public Relations, my friend Jessica East, who's letting me share a space with her. Um, What we have coming up this week is, obviously today we have the podcast Tomorrow night, I have the Osara ritual, which is on March 23rd. And then this weekend, um, I'm doing readings at Find Me in the Woods. And starting April 1st, um, actually April 1st, I can't do April 1st. I'm teaching a class in person April 1st. So May, the beginning of May, the first Saturday of every month, I'll be doing mediumship development, which is an open circle that is online for anybody who would like to join. You can just go to my website, marialeggett.com and sign up for that. Um, and I'm also beginning to do a closed circle in the Dayton area. And the closed circle will be done at Temple of the Rebel Goddess on the second Saturday of every month from 11 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. And the closed circle simply means that it's the same people every single month, and it is a one-year commitment. Um, And so you can pay for it for the full year in advance, or Temple of the Rebel Goddess is taking payment plans as well. Totally up to you. Um, So that's what's happening for me right now. We've also got Mediumship 101 that's going to be in person at Temple of the Rebel Goddess. So if you're in the Dayton area, sign up for that. That's going to start April 11th, and that's going to be bi-weekly. We're going to have that. And then in May, I am opening up my Path to Grace program that will help with the mother wound slash sister wound. So stay tuned for those details. All right. So let's talk about Julian. Julian is a certified spiritual life coach and human design specialist. He helps people break through their limitations to live a life of limitless possibility, freedom, and impact that answers your spiritual calling. And this is the truth. Julian um, deals with witchcraft. He has a beautiful podcast, Queer Spirituality. There's nothing that he cannot do, cannot touch on. 
And he really can break things down for those of us who have issues with astrology or human design so that we can understand it in a very simplistic way. And I loved how he was able to get through to me in a way that nobody else has ever been able to get through. So I am so excited and happy to bring on my friend, Julian. Hi, Maria. How are you? It's going to be, I hope I can live up to that introduction. <laughs> you do every day and you don't feel, feel free that you don't have to call me Maria. I know you know me as Shelly. Everybody knows that. Please, whatever you want to call me, but. Call All me. right. You can absolutely live up to you, Julian. You're amazing. I wouldn't have said all those things if it wasn't true. I might be a lot of things, but a liar is not one of them. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'm, I'm glad to be here. Thank you for the invitation. It's always oh, fun. It's always fun hanging out with you. We always have a good time. We do. I love it. We get we get a little mischievous. <laughs> you, a little silly too. <laughs> so Julian, talk to us about, I gave you a very short introduction. So I want you to describe in your words, what do you do? How do you impact the world? Wow. Okay. So I do a lot of things, but what they all have in common is that I help people find their community and their tribe um, or their kin or whatever words you like to use. Like I try to avoid tribe because it feels like appropriation sometimes to say tribe is a bunch of white people. And so I help them find their, their kin, their, their community. And from that place, discover their own power to change the world. Like a lot of us feel like things are broken. We don't like what's going on in the world, but how many of us really understand that we have the power to change that? And one mm -hmm. person can make a huge change. And when we come together in communities, then we start to create what I call localized non-creation, which is like a higher level of manifestation when we're actually affecting things on a deeper level. Um, I talk about this a lot in human design on, on my own podcast, uh, the answer your, your unique calling podcast and in human design, there are three levels of the channels. There's the individual, the tribal and the collective channel. And you can see that as an energetic model for change. You, if you want to see change in the world, you have to start on the individual level, then your community level, and then it spills out into the collective because as that energy spills out, other people see that and they're like, hey, they, those people over there have something and I want that. And it oh. starts to change. It starts to change the world. So I do this. That's sort of the, the commonality of my work. But I, I work in, in three main areas. So I'm a spiritual ICF certified spiritual life and business coach. And I help people tap into that power. Um, as a business coach, I don't tell people how to do things. You know, it's not about like, go do this on Instagram or go DM these people. It's about what's getting in your way of being a successful business owner. Are you suffering from imposter syndrome? Do you feel like you don't have the confidence to show up and to speak up about what you're doing in the world? It's all those kinds of things that I really work with my clients on. I also work with gay and bi men. Um, through my queerspirituality.net website and my Queer Spirituality podcast. And it's really, for them, it's about overcoming the judgment and the fears that get in the way of creating really cohesive queer communities and also overcoming a lot of the other same things that I deal with in my other work, you know, the imposter syndrome and the lack of confidence and all of those things. Um, yeah. And then finally, I... I've been a teacher for a number of years in a number of different communities, and I do teach magic and ritual and witchcraft and human design and all the things. So I, I also do a lot of that work. All the beautiful things, Julian. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I love all the stuff that you teach. I love that there's you've been able to do something that I haven't been able to do, which is to find out what the commonality is for all of these different things. And I, I got to a point where spirit said to me, you're like spreading yourself too thin. You're doing too many things. Dial yeah. it into what you know your niche is. And I said, okay, well, why don't you tell me what my niche is? Because I think <laughs> you and I see it differently spirit. Right. And right. so that's when they made me dial it into just mediumship. And so between that and the women's circles, 
It's I have to continue teaching people how to heal from the inside out. Right. And, right. The, I, and so I guess I just discovered my, see, this is why I need you around. You inspire <laughs> me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> answers well, I wouldn't yeah. have had any other way. <laughs> yeah. My process, uh, you know, for really discovering that because I'm a manifesting generator, my human design type. And so I'm never going to be able to niche down to like, I'm doing this one thing in this very narrow thing. I'm always going to be doing a lot, but I really wanted to find what was common across all of them. How could I talk about my work in a broader way? And I have to give a shout out to Kat Coroy. She's an Instagram um, person. She teaches you how to show up on Instagram as a business. And she has this process she calls brand soul essence, which is really where you just write down, a, like it's a bunch of free writing prompts. And then you write down all the stuff you do and why you do it and what people get from working with you. And then you circle all the good bits and kind of write this like brand soul essence. And then you do everything from that place of your brand soul essence. And I kind of pivoted in my business recently because I was sort of siloing things and I felt really unaligned. It didn't feel the most authentic. Like I was showing up as all of me in all of my different channels. And I also wanted to simplify it because it was a lot of damn work. <laughs> and so, yeah. I did, so I went through this process again with Kat Coroy um, in her Instagram makeover class and boiled it down to, you know, it's really about finding that community and in that community, finding your power to change the world. And that's really what all of my work comes down to. I love that. That's beautiful. So one of the questions that I ask all my guests is what does spirituality mean to you? And if you can encompass in that, I want you to be able to explain in your words how you view queer spirituality because yeah. I can't explain that in a way that's meaningful. So I'm going to like <laughs> literally re-listen to your words and commit them to memory so that I can answer that if somebody says to me, what is this? So I can answer it appropriately. Yeah, absolutely. I so spirituality, God, what does spirituality mean to me? Like it's really everything. I've I've felt like a spiritual being since I was very young. Um, I always felt a strong connection to nature and just the miracle of things like you know, planting seeds and having the plants grow, you know, and seeing flowers come up from like planting some seeds, like that's magical to me. And so spirituality really is. For me, it means kind of everything. It's really about, we get so wrapped up in what I call the EBFJs of living this physical life. And that that's the expectations, blames, fears, and judgments. And spirituality oh. is really about how do we get a more expansive view of what we're doing here, of why we're here and what we're doing. And so it kind of gives purpose and reason to all of this. And it gets us out of those EBFJs and into a, a higher state where we can really experience more of life um, and experience it in a more easeful way. So it's also really about like spirituality helps me be the best Julian that I can be. And it helps me weather the storms that life throws my way. And so that's really what it means to me. Now, queer spirituality, that's a really interesting thing because when I talk about queer spirituality, I talk about it in a very specific terms. Queer spirituality is spirituality that, well, let me back up. A lot of spiritual paths, they say they accept queer people, right? They're accepting. Okay, we accept queer people. Great, that's wonderful. Queer spirituality is based on the lived experience of queer people and queer lives. And it doesn't just accept or tolerate queer people. It actually celebrates them and believes mm. that they have gifts and powers and things to offer to the world that are needed in the world and are important. The other aspect of queer spirituality is that because it is queer spirituality, it is inherently sex positive. It is a spirituality that doesn't say, well, you can be queer, but don't act on it. Don't, you know, be a sexual being. And so queer spirituality is really about those two main things about how do you, the, how do queer people through their lived experience, experience spirituality and interact with the higher power. It accept, it doesn't just accept, it celebrates 
and feels that queerness is important in the world and necessary and it's sex positive. I, I'm sitting here with my, I'm like, my mind is blown at the moment because, <laughs> and well, but here's why. So to me, if you're talking about, I'm a very spiritual being, I guess because to me, spirituality is open. That's the whole point to spirituality is being open. Yeah. And so if you at any point in time are not accepting and embracing and lifting up those who are queer, then you're not spiritual. You're working through religion and the dogma. Right. I mean, that's my opinion. So when you said there's, you know, there's regular spirituality and then there's queer spirituality. I mean, to me, maybe I like queer spirituality much better because that's where I think <laughs> everything should be, right? I really do think that it should be embraced. It should be brought forward and it should be hyped and it should be, we need every single queer person on this earth. We need every single one of you because yeah. you make our world colorful. You help us to see things in a different way. You give us different viewpoints. And mm -hmm. it's a shame that there are so many people who are not open to listening to that because right. I need all of you in my life. Right. I need that color. I need the, I need the, the different opinions and the, I don't know, to me, it's, it's beautiful. And it makes me very sad that not everybody sees it that way. Right. Right. Absolutely. But I think so beyond though, just the celebration part, queer spirituality is definitely about how queer people, people specifically celebrate spirituality or experience it because, you know, as, as a cisgendered male, I experience deity, you know, my background is in witchcraft. So it's God, God and goddess and mm -hmm. the, all that is. Um, but that doesn't relate to some people. A non-binary person struggles sometimes with the concept of God and goddess. And so queer spirituality embraces that as well and says, well, maybe, you know, for you, higher power is queer spirit and it's non-gendered and it doesn't have, it's non-binary like you are. And maybe, you know, I'm an initiate in the Minoan Brotherhood, and it's still goddess and God-based, but there are also queer traditions that are two gods. So, yeah. you know, queer spirituality just says, you know, that there's a more expansive and deeper way to experience spirituality and that none of it is wrong, basically. No, none of it is wrong. And I mean, we've talked about the fact, right, that you're, which I, I find this hysterical. We didn't find out until much later because I'm in the Minoan Sisterhood. You're in the Minoan Brotherhood. <laughs> and so we was, definitely- Was, was. Was, yes, was. So, yeah. So, but, you know, as being part of the Minoan Sisterhood, we definitely celebrate the feminine more than we do the masculine. Doesn't mean that we don't honor it, but we celebrate it more. Um yeah. And it never, it never occurred to me. And this is why I enjoy having people with different backgrounds on because it never occurred to me how a non-binary person may struggle with the divine masculine and the divine feminine because they don't identify either way because they're the one. Yeah. So I think it's beautiful. I mean, for me, it was this beautiful, just this aha moment of, oh my God, they are part of the Trinity, but they're like the top of the Trinity right? You're not identifying yeah. either way. You are both inside. And I think that that's beautiful. And we need to bring this out more often for people with these traditions of being open to what somebody needs, not what you think they should have. Right. Right. So I am grateful for that because I never, it never would have occurred to me. I mean, I'm a, I'm a cisgender <laughs> female. I'm very comfortable with it. Um, and I have definitely learned that the more I step into where I'm comfortable in the world, I have a lot of people who will say to me, are you queer? I'm like, I could be, but no. <laughs> <laughs> I could be convinced. <laughs> I could be convinced. I tell, my, I tell my husband all the time that if we ever get a divorce, that's it. I'm only dating women, period. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> and he laughs about it. But I, I mean, I have a lot of queer friends who have said to me, are you sure you're not? And I'm like, ah, I mean, I probably could be. <laughs> not gonna lie. <laughs> and I mean, I don't know what it is, but it's okay. Like I embrace all of yeah. those different pieces. I'm no longer ashamed of any of that. Like, I don't feel like, um, 
you know, my, my best friend, Trisha and I, people used to think that we were partners and we would just play it up because it would make some people very uncomfortable. I don't care. Get comfortable with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So Julian, how did you get onto this path? <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, that's a long one. So growing up, my, my parents weren't very spiritual or religious. So my mother got married at 16 to leave a very religious household. Our grandmother was evangelical Pentecostal Christian. And so my mom got married very young to escape basically that. Mm -hmm. And so for most of my life, my parents did not really practice anything or really teach us anything. But my mother had an appreciation for nature. And so she would tell me that you could see God in nature. And as a young child growing up in Great Britain, I was obsessed with growing things. I had a little flower garden and I would plant marigolds and zinnias and grow them. And I was just obsessed with this. And it just felt very magical and very spiritual to me. As I got older and I started to realize that I wasn't like the other boys, my relationship with my father really soured. Like I never had a great relationship with my father. He was a workaholic. He was always absent, but he was also very, you know, our father's a little bit racist and he's extremely homophobic. And he would say terrible, terrible things about gays because of his homophobia. And of course, not knowing that I was yet, but there still felt like there was some shame there around mm -hmm. being feminine or being soft or being emotional. And so when I got into high school, I started to explore spirituality a little more. And around that time, my parents started going to church again. And the church did not, I did not relate to any of it. Um, it, it just like the idea of a father God, like, you know, I had such a shit relationship with my earthly father. I couldn't even imagine that. And so it was around 18 that I discovered Wicca. Um, I came across Scott Cunningham's Wicca for the Solitary Practitioner. Scott is also queer, was queer. And he wrote so lovingly and so beautifully about his relationship with the goddess and the God and particularly the goddess. And because I had always had a very close relationship with my mother, I could relate to the idea of a motherly goddess mm. more than I could a heavenly father. And so that really led me into Wicca. And that has pretty much been my path ever since. Now, around 24, um, I met a good friend, Keith Haiti, who was a member of a ceremonial magical order, the OAI. And I joined that order um, and practiced ceremonial magic and studied Enochian and a bunch of other paths um, for a number of years. It's also when I started to become aware of starseeds and my own starseed soul. And then... Um, initiated into the OTO, did a bunch of other things, but pretty much have always been a witch. Um, and that's been my path for a long time. I went through a period in the early 2000s where I was really, really active in the festival circuit. I was going to Pagan Spirit Gathering, Pantheacon. Um, oh, what's the other one? Winter Star, and I forget the other one. And then... Um, you know, was doing a lot of teaching and, you know, it's all volunteer based at pagan festivals, of course. So I wasn't getting paid for it. I was still working. And then um, Michael Lloyd and I started Between the Worlds, which was a pagan festival for gay and bi men. And I ran that for 10 years before some new influences in the community were feeling a little toxic and out of alignment for me. And I left that org. Um, and so I've done a lot with queer men's spirituality in particular, but also a lot with witchcraft. And then um, a few years ago, I got a certification as a yoga teacher and I thought, well, I'm going to teach yoga. And even the, teaching yoga, I found myself teaching tarot and other things too. So it just kept, and so it became more, but I was getting paid this time, which made it very different. Yeah. And an offhand comment by a friend, I had helped her with something and she said, I should hire you to be my coach. And at the time, I really didn't know anything about coaching, but um, my human design strategy is to respond and then to inform. And so I researched life coaching and then said to my husband, I'm going to go get certified as a life coach. And that's kind of brought me where I am. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Julian has a beautiful website called Priest of Inanna. 
and you have an Instagram as well. So what is the Instagram that you want to promote today? Priest of Inanna. Priest it's of Inanna. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I have two websites right now with a third on the way. I have priestofanana.com, which is my, my primary business. And then I have queerspirituality.net, which is my more specific to queer people. And I have a podcast at both, um, you know, but I have one Instagram. Basically, I, I had a queer spirituality Instagram, but I'm just folding everything into one Instagram. So, okay. yeah. Beautiful. So talk to me about your queer spirituality podcast. I would love to hear more about that. Well, it's gotten a slow start because I sometimes like just don't feel like I have anything new to say. So I kind of let it go. Like mostly I, when I have a guest, I have guests on and we talk about queer spirituality. So I've had a number of people. I've had Nicholas Pearson, who's the author of Seven Archetypal Stones and the Pocket Encyclopedia of Healing Crystals and a number of things. Wonderful queer pagan man who just really had, we had an excellent conversation about the nature of divinity and being queer. I've had Rolf Nolasco on who wrote um, My Beloved Queer and um, he's got a new book out and I'm, the name's escaping me right now, but it's basically he's taken a bunch of the parables and retold them from a queer perspective which is really wonderful. Um, and then I've had David Wood, like I've had just a number of different people on. Um, and so I'm always looking for new guests. So if you're out there listening and you, you do something with queer spirituality, hit me up because I'm always looking for other people. Yeah, that would be great. I would love to, I mean, I, I need to start listening to it <laughs> so that I can be educated more than anything. Um, yeah. So you also have Answer Your Unique Calling. Yeah, that one I've been doing for over a year. So I'm in like 40 some episodes and it's really about my, um, about a lot about human design, but it's also about the areas that I coach. So there's a lot about spiritual business. There's a lot about community and changing life and finding your spiritual calling and all of that. Um, I've had guests periodically. Some of my guests have included Sarah um, Monroe and Sam Spahala, who are the founders of the rebel, the temple, of the rebel goddess here in Dayton. I've had, um, oh gosh, I can't even think of everybody. Um, Jordy, um, Chevalier, who I've done some work with another spiritual coach, um, down in Florida. I've had, yeah, I've just had a lot of different guests. I can't even name them all, but, and I continue to have more. So it's a great, great podcast for spiritual business owners or people who just feel like they need to find their community or they're trying to figure out how, how do I change the world? What do I do? Um, it's a great podcast for that. I love that. So one of the things that I know you do is your human, <laughs> your human design business, which I love. And of course, yeah. we're going to talk about Temple of the Rebel Goddess and all that yummy goodness too. But I want to talk about your human design stuff that you do because I have had a couple of different human design teachers and I, I, I I mean, I've had readings, let's put it that way. I've not taken the classes, I've had readings. And nobody could get through to me what certain things meant in a way that I could fully understand it. <laughs> they just couldn't. And so, you know, the day that we did the reading festival at Temple of the Rebel Goddess, I literally planned an hour to sit with you and go, okay, Julian, explain this to me. And you yeah. did such a beautiful job that helped me to understand, you know, you feel the energy when it runs out of something, stop pushing past it. Yeah. And it was, it was amazing that you were able to, I mean, these are probably not the right words, but this is how I explain it. Dumb it down to where my terms that I can understand <laughs> in these little digestible bits yeah. and pieces so that it made sense to me. So explain to anybody who's listening, why would they want a human design reading? Yes. That's a great question. So human design is, first of all, it's it's a blend of astrology, Kabbalah, the I Ching, and the chakras. And human design teaches that human beings spiritually evolved in, 17, in the 1780s, and we now have nine energy centers instead of seven. And so what human design does is your human design chart or body graph shows you the energetic blueprint of your physical form. So it's really about how does my physical form function? And how does my spirit interface with my 
my physical form. And so human design helps you really understand all the ways that you're hardwired to do things in the world. It helps you understand your quantum purpose. Like how do I interact with the quantum field to create new possibilities in my life? How do I make the most aligned decisions for myself? Cause that's a huge one. How do I protect my energy and keep myself from being burnt out? Like, it just covers lots of different areas. And so human design is really going to help you understand all of those. A big thing in human design is what we call conditioning. And conditioning is anything that pulls you away from who you are at your authentic core. And human design, there's lots of sources of conditioning, but one of them is energetic conditioning in your, in your design. The areas of your design that are open can be energetically conditioned by people who have them closed when you're in their in their energy field when you're with them and so a lot of human design is about how do we decondition how do we let go of the stuff that doesn't belong to us you know and so i always tell people like ask yourself is this my energy that i'm experiencing because when we are running in an unconscious mode and we're not aware of our human design we pick up these things from other people and we start acting as if they're ours and we start doing things in our life or worrying about things that aren't even our worries. And so human design helps us clear all of that out. Now, I think the reason that you related so well to what I talk about and, and how I teach it is that human design, it's a complex system, first of all. So, mm-hmm. you know, you have to take it in steps, like there's bite-sized pieces. And so I do a couple levels of reading. I do a foundational reading, which is what you and I did, which is really just about your strategy, your authority, and your profile in the very beginnings. And then I have, that's how, where I start people. It's like a 30 minute reading. Usually we went a little longer that day um, because I did a little more in depth, but with you, but it's a 30 minute reading and it's sort of the, the introductory, here's my chart and here's my design. And you learn to master those pieces of your design. And then I have life purpose and business readings that are an hour long and we go into a deeper dive and we relate your design to how do you experience your purpose in life? How do you experience, how do you show up in your business? And so it's a deeper level because you do have to take little bite-sized chunks and you'd be like, okay, I know my strategy and my authority. I'm going to integrate that and start operating at that level. And then I can start to learn this next piece and learning to operate in that. And that's why human design is really important. But because of its complexity, a lot of people boil it down to rules or, you know, you, you have to do this, you can't do that. Like, and they boil it down to rules and they make it very dry and very... Um, just not, it's not a living thing. And I follow Karen Curry Parker from quantum human design, who takes a more expansive view of human design. And so I come from a more expansive view of human design and it's more about how does your design empower you? How does your design help you align with the work that you are here to do? and the ways that you interface with the quantum field. And I don't align it with, I don't give people hard and fast rules. I tell them tendencies and I tell them how to listen to those tendencies in their design. And I tell, and I help them get in touch with what, how they feel and experience their design in their body. And I think that makes all the difference because a lot of people approach human design from up here and you're not gonna, human design is about the energy of your physical form. You can't experience it by thinking about it, you have to feel it in your body to really understand it. Oh, I, I totally agree with that because I didn't realize, I mean, I knew something was off and I wasn't recognizing something, but you were able to explain it to me in a way so that I know where my limitations are. And I am very spontaneous in my decision-making, which I shouldn't be. And apparently I need no. to be able to take a pause, sit with something before I make this major decision to decide, is this really the right thing for me? And right. that made a huge difference. Like, in fact, I did it that day because I had someone come up to me and say, oh, are you done? Because I'd really like to do a reading. Now, I could have pushed past my limitations. I could have said, absolutely, bring in the abundance. But I knew I had been, re- I had done, you know, 10, 12 readings. I was tired. And yeah. I, don't, I don't feel like I would have done them justice. And so I could hear you in the, you know, in my head going, okay, does your car have any gas left? Well, not really. Yeah, exactly. So I and had to listen to that. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. So that made, I mean, it made a huge difference for me that day. Exactly. Because types like yours that are non-sacral types in human design, they don't always understand what is enough. Like when have they done enough? And that's, that's true. just connecting people to that felt sense in their body of what enough is for them is crucial. And it's a game changer. It is definitely something that I did not recognize. Um, one of the things that I that I love about a human design reading is that it tells you when you're not in alignment with your body. So yeah. when I'm not in alignment, I experience rage, which means that I can snap at people and I can do things. So I have <laughs> to become more aware of yeah. when I'm snapping, when am I getting cranky? Because that means I'm not in alignment with my purpose. I'm not in alignment with what's happening. And I have to start shifting things. So, yeah. I mean, anybody who is listening, book a reading with Julian because <laughs> it will absolutely change your life. It changed mine so that I am able to recognize, oh, you know what, Shell, you really are not in alignment. It is time to shift. And, yeah. you know, and sometimes that means moving your business. Sometimes it means calling up your, you know, your friends and saying, I've loved sharing this office with you that I never use, but I'm not going to renew the lease in July. And it's not easy to do that, right? I don't want to let anybody down. But I also wasn't being authentic to me and where I need to go. And I have to recognize that. Right, right. So, yeah, that not wanting to let people down, that's conditioning at work right there. All exactly. the decisions we make because of that is conditioning. Yeah, yeah. and it's, it's okay with, you know, I know this may have been what I said I was going to do, but I'm recognizing I can't meet that now. Yeah. And then having grace with yourself, right? Because I'm, you know, gate 22. So there's grace. Uh -huh. <laughs> graceful with yourself and gracious with others. Recognizing that if I, if I am asking for grace for my mistake, then I need to have grace for others and their mistakes as well. Right. Yeah. So there's that lesson. Yeah. So let's talk about Temple of the Rebel Goddess. I love that okay, we are let's... both teaching and doing stuff there. <laughs> it's an amazing space. Sam and Sarah really have created not just an amazing physical space, but an amazing spiritual container. And Absolutely. there's an incredible community growing around there. I have developed so many friendships from teaching there and working there and going to things there because I've taken workshops there. I made a frame drum. Uh, with Sarah and Sam, which was an incredible experience. I've never really been a drummer, never owned a drum. And I was like, you know, I'm going to do this. I, I feel like I should. And it was amazing, mm -hmm. totally incredible. And I've just made so many connections from attending things there because it is just this incredible community that they're growing and this amazing space that they've created. I agree. I started teaching that when did I teach the first time? I think it was in January. So I did spirit hour for the first time in, I think it was November. And then I taught mediumship 101 and it sold out before they ever even got to advertise it with. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, yes, thank you, please spirit. You know, yes, thank you more. Yeah. please. And it has really been a beautiful way for me to connect with more people who are local to me and to find a place that is so inclusive and so loving and watching people who I've seen them say, I don't feel accepted anywhere else, but I feel accepted here. Yeah. And knowing that I get the privilege of being allowed to walk through those doors and teach there is huge for me, is an honor. Like I, when I say that, I mean that. You know, it is Sam and Sarah are such beautiful human beings and the things that they're building and weaving and creating there are so needed right now. Um, so, I mean, I teach mediumship there. Mediumship 101 starts April 11th and mediumship develop the closed circle starts April 8th. And that's a one year commitment. And I have committed to taking your course. <laughs> yes. So I am taking a one-year course with you for the oracular trance. And I am just like chomping at the bit. So excited <laughs> because I realized, oh my God, that first weekend I had a wedding that I have to do in West Virginia on Friday. So I'm like, oh, 
you know, I've already got the hotel. I'm thinking, okay, now I got to get up at six so I can get back in time to start my training <laughs> yeah. because it's that important to me. And I am just super stoked to be able to train with you in this, to take my mediumship in a different, deeper direction. You know, mediumship is one thing, but being able to learn trance with someone is totally different. So talk to us and explain to people who are listening what the oracular rituals are. I know that you still have one position open for the apprenticeship. Um, So talk about, you know, what the oracular ritual is, why you do it, and what someone can do to take that one last slot that you have. Absolutely. Yes. So oracular rituals, there's lots of different ways that you can do oracular ritual. And I've been doing them for, gosh, I don't know, probably 20 years now. Um, So basically oracular rituals are when someone is in a trance state and they either shamanically journey to find answers to questions, or they directly channel a deity or spirit in a way and answer questions for people. So drawing down the moon in the traditional Wiccan tradition is an oracular trance ritual because Mm -hmm. the priestess goes into a trance and she speaks the words of the goddess through her. Um, The Minoans have a version of it. Um, You know, the Greek oracle at Delphi was an oracular trance ritual. Norse Seath is an oracular ritual. The Druids had a version of it. So it's a common thing. And I've been doing these for, like I said, 20 years in various forms. We did a um oracular ritual based on Inanna's descent um at between the worlds for a couple of years where i actually embodied the goddess Ereshkigal in the underworld and delivered messages to participants through a journey we had seven guardians who also were in trance who were basically offered challenges at the seven gates to the underworld so it was a really intense oracular trance ritual So the first Saturday of every month in the Dayton area at the Temple of the Rebel Goddess, we host an oracular trance ritual. So basically you come in, you sit down and we create sacred space. And then the the guide will lead a path working, leading you to the Oracle Cave. And then once there, the group will sing a seer that will be veiled on a high seat on an elevated platform in a chair into the underworld or the other world or whatever we're working with at the time. And then basically one by one, people can ask questions and receive an oracle, an answer from the oracle. So that's that's the ritual. And we do them every first Saturday. As I said, they're a monthly thing at the Temple of the Rebel Goddess. We're working with one form right now. We will mix it up. So we will do different forms of them um, over the, you know, as we go, but right now we're just kind of refining the one form. Um, and then the apprenticeship is basically a year long program that I'm teaching at the temple, of the rebel goddess. It starts on the first Saturday in May, and it's basically a year long process to learn to sit in the seer seat and go into trance and do the journeying or channel the spirits in order to answer questions for people. Now, why would you want to do that? Um, One, I think for the community, it's an act of service because you're helping people gain clarity on things that are important to them. It's really important if you attend an oracular ritual that you ask questions that matter because the intention and energy behind the question helps the seer find the right answer. And so you don't want to just show up and ask a question for the sake of asking a question. It needs to be something that matters to you. So it's an act of service to both be a warder, to be a guide, to be a seer, all of that is service to the community to help the community receive some clarity and some direction from their deities, from the spirits, you know, whoever they're they're seeking that guidance from. As a seer, um, working that closely in the other world with the spirits and the gods and the goddesses just it creates such a different awareness in you of those beings. It creates a different relationship that is closer, that is um, richer. And so doing that process of going into the, into the other world and traveling through the different areas of the other world and meeting members of the fair folk, meeting spirits, nature spirits, elementals, the deities, all of that, 
you develop a different kind of relationship with those beings. And it spills out into other areas of your life, into your magic, into your everyday living, into your, into your dreams, you know, everything. And so it just really is a beautiful, beautiful thing to learn. So the apprenticeship is a year-long process to learn to do that. And we're going to learn all kinds of things in that we're going to learn about the forms of the ritual and how to design rituals. We're going to learn all the different techniques needed to do it, to get into that trance state. We're going to learn, um, we're going to study world mythology because having that background is important to this kind of work. We're going to do grounding and warding and psychic self-defense and all of the different aspects of this work. And basically we meet on the Saturdays of the oracular ritual. So first Saturday of every month at two o'clock, we have class until 5.30. We set up for the ritual. We take an hour long meal break and then we do the ritual. So it's pretty much an all day thing once a month. And then we also meet by Zoom for an hour and a half every month. And then I also have, you have the option every month to meet in a one-on-one -on -one with me for an hour. So I can help you with any blocks, anything that's not clicking, all those kinds of things. Right now we have one seat left. You can get that seat by going to templetherebelgoddess.com and signing up. There's, if I don't know you, I haven't worked with you personally, there is a brief interview, um, which Sarah and Sam will coordinate for you. And there are payment plans available. Next year, towards the end of the apprenticeship, we will be doing a three-day retreat, which is included in the cost of it as well. So there's going to be sort of a, a capstone retreat where we'll kind of wrap up the work. I mean, there'll be one or two more classes after the retreat, but mostly we'll be wrapping up the stuff um, at the retreat. Um, so as I, as I said, there's one seat left. Hopefully it's yours. Honestly, if more than one person comes in, I really believe that spirit is going to have the right people there. So if there's someone mm. that comes in and it's full and they're just really the right person and they need to be there, we'll open up another spot. But ideally, we're going to limit it to what, what we have with the one spot. So that is awesome. I can't wait to do it. I'm I mean, honestly, I'm nervous. I'm really nervous to do it because, you know, I have all this training, this extensive training in mediumship. And I know it's different than the way you're going to teach me. And I have this whole OCD for, I have to do it this way. I have to do it this way. Yeah. So I'm yeah. going to have to let go of a lot of that and do it the way that you're teaching me. So it is definitely a challenge for me to do this, but I can't wait because, because it's different. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, when I, when I went to the oracular ritual, last month or this month in March, the beginning of the, of the month, um, I really didn't have a question in mind. I just wanted to go and watch and see how it, how it was, how did I feel in it to make sure that the apprenticeship really was right for me. And the energy right, was right. absolutely fantabulous. It was, um, and spirits like, here's the question I want you to ask. And I'm like, okay, fine. I'll ask the question. And so just to be fair, if you're going in there and asking a very honest question, expect to get a very honest and blunt answer from the <laughs> deity who is coming in. And so I literally got my butt spanked in front of everybody, but it's okay because this is what I needed. And it was interesting because, I mean, it was the same advice that you would have given me, but it was, I knew that it wasn't you. You have this, or that deity had this very specific <laughs> kind of laugh. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, Julian doesn't laugh like that. <laughs> so it was definitely interesting to listen to it. And, you know, you referred to us as you humans. And it was just, I mean, it was so beautiful to listen to it. And I'm like, that's really not my friend at all. So it was yeah. amazing to watch it and feel the energy. It was powerful. And I can see why people might be more comfortable coming in and asking this, right? Because it's just one or two questions that you're asking as compared to coming and sitting down with a medium and getting 30 minutes of spirit guides or crossover loved ones. They're, they're just different. And yeah. I, I, it just, I'm, I'm super excited, super excited. Yeah. I'm excited. To, I'm excited to teach it. I've been like really like counting the days. 
eyes to it because I'm just so excited about this work. Um, yeah. So Spirit has slightly, well, maybe not slightly. I mean, my business is going through a rebirth and I'm just kind of adjusting and going with the flow. And yeah. we had talked right before the podcast started, before I accidentally deleted the live stream. And we were talking about how your business is adjusting as well. How are you feeling about the shift? And a lot of this has to do with astrologically, like where we've got the, the spring equinox, the vernal equinox that just happened on Monday. The new moon was yesterday, like everything. I literally feel like there's this massive open portal for what do you really want to bring into your life? Because now is it. Yeah, absolutely. So my business has been changing as well because I was so focused on spiritual coaching um, when I started my business. And that's really where I was putting all of my attention, all of my marketing money on that. And I've had some great clients. I've worked with a number of people and really helped them make tremendous progress. And coaching will always be part of my business. But in terms of, you know, I believe that part of our purpose, the way we experience our spiritual calling is it's not like, here's your spiritual calling. Now walk down this road and there you go. Um, that's not how it works. And people stress themselves out over it, trying to figure out what's my calling, what's my purpose. Like it's this one thing. Our calling unfolds moment by moment as a series of small invitations from the divine to take some action that will make the world a better place, period. So day by day, we receive these invitations. Sometimes we're aware of them and we accept them and we improve the world. Maybe we did it by smiling. Uh, a cashier is having a bad day. Maybe we did it with a kind word, whatever. When we're aware and in alignment and in that flow, we're aware of those invitations and we serve our purpose by taking those small actions day by day that improve the world, that make the world a better and brighter and lighter place. When we're not aligned, we miss them. We go right past them. And that's how our calling unfolds. And so for me, the invitations that have been showing up have been the invitations to teach, to do this work with the oracular trance, to do this work with the apprenticeship, to do more of helping people really discover witchcraft in a deeper way, to come into this work in a deeper way. And I'm just going to be honest here. The pagan community has a terrible, terrible scarcity consciousness problem um, with not wanting to pay people to teach, with not wanting to pay people to do the work. Well, we can't grow as a community if we're not going to support the people who are doing the work for the community. Okay. And I think that's super important. And so a lot of my work is about bringing, not only bringing people in, bringing people who maybe don't have any interaction with the community, the pagan community at large, but want to learn this stuff, teaching them. But also while I'm teaching, being like, hey, this is important that we support the people who do this work, that we support the people who are teaching, that we support the people who are doing all of this research and writing books or going to conferences. They should be paid for their time so Agreed. that they're not burnt out and they have the energy to show up and to serve the community. And while we're at it, let's fix your scarcity consciousness so that you can live more abundantly with more ease as well. Because um, the way we've been doing it, you know, my, my friend Charlene a while ago, Char Charlene uh, Suggs is one of the founders of Wisteria in Southeastern Ohio. And she gave an intentional community workshop and she was talking about people who want to buy land and start an intentional community, which was very popular in the pagan community at the time. And one of the first things that Charlene said is have a source of income. Every person who's going to be part of that community needs to have a source of income, some type of work that they can do from the community, from the land, because otherwise you're just all squatting together on a piece of land in poverty. And that just resonated oh, no. with me so much and was like, yeah, this is a problem and we need to solve it. And so that's part of the work that I'm really being invited to do as well. So coaching will always be a part of it, but it's really about, I think the big, the big invitation from spirit right now is that I've been doing these three sort of separate things in my business, life coaching and, and business coaching, queer spirituality and witchcraft and teaching. And spirit said, no, mash these together. This is crazy. Like you're not, you're not three people. So just be the one person and do the one and do the thing that you do. So that's kind of, kind of the call that I'm answering. 
I love that. I think it's beautiful. And I don't disagree with you that there is a huge scarcity mindset um, in paganism. And yeah. there are a lot of people who think that everything needs to be done for free. The knowledge that I have, if I give it away for free, then I, I feel like I would be devaluing all the work that I've put into it. So I yeah. deserve to be paid for what I am doing. I'm not going to do readings for free. I mean, yes. I may give them away as part of a promotion, but I have spent, and it's not even so much about the money as it is the time, my effort, my everything that mm. I have poured into this so that I can be the best version of me for every single one of my clients and students. And that came at a cost, not just financial, but personally with my family and my grandkids. There were things yes. that I couldn't go to that I had to miss because I had to go to school, because I had to learn things. And we, we deserve to be compensated for those. And so I had to, I struggled with, I know that we have, you know, people who don't have a whole lot of money to do certain things, which is why I developed the sliding scale for my classes. I don't use it on my readings, but I do it on my classes. And then there are some things that I'll teach for free just because I think they're the basics and everybody needs to have these very basic things. Sure. Um, but I, I, I can't do all of this stuff for free. This is what I do for a living. I, I make my living. I survive off of helping other people, off of being of service to the community. And yes, there are some things I'll give away for free, but not everything. Yeah, absolutely. If, if we're going to do this work, if we're going to be showing up the way that you know, Christian preachers show up, you know, they have time to get politically involved, do all of these things. And that's because they're being supported by their community. If we're having to go and work a nine to five job and then show up and teach class, how much energy do we really have left to put into that class to, exactly. give to the community? And so if you want us to give the most of our energy and service to the community, we've got to be compensated somehow so that, you know, and, and this isn't a new idea in the ancient world, the temple complexes and the priests and priestesses were supported by the community. They received part of the, the crops or the livestock. They, they were paid. And so this isn't a new idea, but for some reason in modern paganism, we've decided that everybody, everything should be free, which is just absurd. I agree completely. I, I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you even more at all. Oh, Julie, I can't believe an hour has gone by. <laughs> I, I know we always do this. We go have a coffee, coffee meeting and we sit and talk for hours. <laughs> I know it just goes by so quick. Boom, boom, boom. I am so appreciative and so grateful that you were on here with me. Thank you so, so much. I am so looking forward to you being my teacher and learning all the things from you. <laughs> Um, and I highly recommend Julian to anyone go do his human design reading, sign up for his apprenticeship, glean everything that you can from this amazing man, because he is such a beautiful human being. And I don't want to end this podcast without throwing out love and support to the amazing man who supports you in your journey. So I want to give a huge shout out to your husband who keeps all the things together for your household. Such an amazing human he is as well. And man, can he cook my God. <laughs> I need yeah. more of his food. <laughs> well, you'll get your opportunity because he'll probably do the food for the retreat. <laughs> yes. Go so, Neil, go yeah. Neil. <laughs> so I just want to throw some love out to him for, for helping you and supporting you the same way that I always lift my husband up because he helps me so much with what I yeah. do. You know, I know it was hard for him when I said, Hey, listen, I'm going to quit my day job and go do this full time. He just kind of gulped and went, okay, let's go. Yeah. yeah. So I couldn't do what I do out. without. Yeah. No, I couldn't do it not without at all. So, keeping the, the home fires going. Yes. <laughs> yes. And that's the thing. That's one of the things that I love so much about you is that you have zero hesitation in saying, I can't do what I do if it wasn't for my husband. Cause you have said that to me ever since I first met you. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, not that Neil would ever listen to this, but Neil, if you ever hear this, know that your husband speaks glowingly about you all the time. <laughs> He'll think I paid you. 
Well, I mean, it's not true, but I, I'll, I'll take payment. <laughs> I'm open to abundance, Spirit. You know this. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Julian. I hope you have an absolutely wonderful day. And anybody listening, please do not forget to share this out with your friends. Let everybody know about the podcast. Tell everybody about Julian and me. We are here to help you on your journey. Yeah. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful afternoon.